Would you please stand for our gospel reading? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 13, beginning at the 44th verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May what we share be in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, during Lent, uh, we're going to be focusing on Matthew's gospel in partnership with the reflections that Graham Leo continues to bless our inboxes with every morning. Um, even though 2020 is the year of Matthew, um, the little book that sort of sets down all the readings is called a lectionary. This is what it looks like. Um, it actually takes a detour during Lent to John's gospel. But we're going to do John's gospel next year um, and as much as I love preaching on John's gospel particularly when today's passage has everybody's favorite but verse John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in me should not perish but have eternal life even though I'd love to preach on that one again I'm going to be faithful to our decision late last year and work our way through Matthew um, Bruce Horton who um, passed away early this year was a retired priest in our parish, every time I used to do something different to the lectionary, he would subtly say to me on the following Monday at morning prayer, are we going to do the proper readings of this week or are we going to make our own up again? So every time I do that, I, I'm remembering Bruce uh, in, my, in my year. But um, it did leave me a little bit of a problem in trying to select the readings to preach over the next few weeks. Because Matthew is a long gospel, and there's so much that we could focus on, particularly in the lead up to Easter. I mentioned a few weeks ago when I preached on the Beatitudes, that part in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers, and so on, that on mountains, big things happen in Matthew's gospel. And already this year, we have had a number of weeks on the Sermon on the Mount, 
couple of weeks ago, we had the mountain of transfiguration and we're on our way in the lead up to Easter to Calvary. But it struck me as I was thinking and praying through this that while so much in Matthew's gospel that is significant happens on mountains, wouldn't it be interesting to explore what Jesus taught in between the mountains? As Dale preached a couple of weeks ago, we all need mountaintop experiences. They're like a supercharge to our faith. But we spend most of our lives between the mountains, dealing with the everyday struggles like relationship issues, juggling finances, trying to find the time to prioritise God in our busy lives, trying to stay healthy, and of course the most important thing at the moment, trying to find a roll of toilet paper. As we look at the truth we find in Matthew and that truth and how it can be applied to our time and for all time for that matter, I think it's helpful to look at these everyday teachings and what better place to start than with the parables. There are about three dozen parables in Matthew, Mark and Luke's gospel depending on how you define parable. There are about 20 in Matthew's Gospel, again, depending on how you define parable. There's actually no clear consensus among biblical scholars on what should or should not be classified as a parable as opposed to a parable-like saying. Conventionally, though, it's thought that the passage that we hear this morning is three parables and one parable-like saying, although some people treat it like four parables. The use of parables and parable-like sayings was a common teaching method that Jesus employed. It's clear from the way that Jesus had to explain the parables to particularly his disciples in private and for the narrative that sits around a number of the parables that those who heard Jesus teach in parables actually really just did not get it. I actually find it quite amusing in what we heard today when Jesus asked, do you understand all of this? And they all say yes. And I'm sure you've been in those situations where somebody's explained something very complicated and asks you, do you understand? And you just nod thinking, I didn't understand a word that you were talking, but I'm nodding because it's the best way to stop you talking. Um, so I think there might have been a little bit in that, that moment. So as we sit here trying to discern in 2020 what the truth is for our time and the truth is for all time, not only do we have to pay careful attention to the nuances, the surprises, even the humour that we see in the parables, we also have to be aware of the many illustrations that Jesus uses that make little sense and have little relevance in our modern world. That doesn't mean that we can't find truth in them. It just means that we have to dig a little deeper to understand the nature of the imagery that Jesus is using. And that we can uncover in that exploration even more about the truth.
that we might at a superficial first read. Parables convey messages that are both profound and serious, but they do it in a way that don't always call attention to that profoundity or that seriousness. They arrest the attention of the hearer by using imagery and story. And they leave the hearer with the impression that something big has been said. Maybe it's about the character of God or maybe it's about how we look at ourselves. But what is a parable? It's a term that we don't regularly use in today's day and age. And maybe the best place to start when you're asking what a parable is is to look at the word itself. The word parable is actually a loan word from the Greek parabolen, which means simply comparison. So a good way of thinking of a parable is a figure of speech in which a comparison is made between God's kingdom, God's actions or expectation, and something in the world that is either real or imagined. I came across um, five tips for understanding parables, which I thought were, were, were really helpful. Number one, generally each parable has a major thrust or message. But in saying that, parables are rich with lots of different imagery. And each time I find myself finding something new in the parables. Parables contain exaggeration, surprises and non-typical people, non-typical actions and plots that don't make sense. They do not reflect life as we normally experience it, both then and now. Thirdly, the parables of Jesus do not and cannot contain the full weight of the theological and moral teachings of the Christian tradition. They are part of it. Number four is that we shouldn't over-interpret the parables by analysing the details within them that are really just the furnishing of the story or by filling in the possible gaps and by adding unnecessary details or trying to rescue the things that don't seem to make sense, either ethically, morally or theologically. And lastly, when looking at parables, don't ruin a good story. Today's gospel uh, that we heard Paul read for us comes at the end of a whole series of parables in Matthew's gospel. And this is sometimes uh, described as Jesus' day of parables. And I picked these ones because they are the less familiar of those parables. The parable of the mustard seed and the wheat um, and the weeds and the sower in the fields are also in this big day of parables. Each element, though, of the three parables and the one parable-like saying could be a theme or a sermon in and of itself. And they also connect at different points in our own story or in a broader sense connect with different people in different ways. 
the parable of the treasure can be sort of like a person who has stumbled into the faith without expecting it. Whereas the parable of the pearl speaks to those who have been a little bit more deliberate and intentional in their faith journey. Both of these parables have a sense of mystery about the kingdom of God. Both have a message that from small beginnings, great results can be produced. Both talk of almost directed single-mindedness that comes from seeking after God. And both imply that there is a sense of riskiness about the kingdom of heaven. The parable of the dragnet is one of those difficult judgment passages that some are included and some are not. You know those parts of the Bible that we like to skip over because they they don't make sense and they're too hard and we don't like the words gnashing of teeth and weeping, uh, so we go over onto the nice bits. These types of parables can really confront and convict us about our own response and our own behaviour. They can also remind us that God is the one who judges and that God has not delegated this to the modern church or a Christian lobby group. Judgment is God's dominion. Inclusion is the church's priority. The parable like saying about the master of the household can be interpreted in lots of different ways but it can encourage us to focus on both the new life and the new way that is being offered by our relationship with Jesus while remaining aware that God has been powerfully at work through God's people from the very beginning. In some ways, it's the ultimate statement about the truth for our time and the truth for all time. There is so much material here Lots of wisdom, lots of challenge. But the challenge that I could not meet this week was to try and weave all these different ideas and themes together to make one congruent, shortish sermon. I could have made a, a one really long sermon, um, but I, I chose, I think, the wiser path. Um, I'm sure others that are much more skilled than I uh, could have uh, done a better job at this. Uh, but maybe next time I'll give it a go. But as I was scratching my head, working out what my main emphasis would be, I was reminded that there is no one parable, no one statement of Jesus that completely captures the majesty of God, answers all of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, completely encapsulates the mission of Jesus Christ or comprehensively covers the requirements to live life as a follower of Jesus. That's why there's over 1,500 verses in the Bible. That's why it's been printed, I don't know how many times, but an astronomical amount of times has the Bible been printed in so many different languages. It's why you can't summarise God in a social media post. Each parable focuses on a particular element or a particular dimension of the kingdom of God or the good news. 
and it becomes like a mosaic. When combined with other parables, when combined with other parts of the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, it gives us a more complete and a more vibrant image of God. Today's parables illustrate that God is not typical. It demonstrates the the untypical character of God. God's love who exceeds anything that we can find as a perfect comparison in our world. Pearls and treasure don't sum it up. See, our lives are run and ruled by custom, by habit, by routine. And these can all too readily obscure our picture of God. But unless we realise that things are not what they seem to be, and unless we realise that things are not as they will be forever, then we will make run the risk of missing what matters most, the pearl, the treasure. And we find ourselves substituting for a God that is of much lesser value and much lesser meaning. Jesus' teaching in parables consistently reveals that the heavenly is better than the earthly, that the future is better than the present, and that we are consistently surrounded by what is empty and dangerous and distracting. Mosaics can look beautiful, but one of the problems with mosaics is that they can sometimes be hard to make out the pattern or the image. In fact, they might just seem like a collection of pretty colours, especially if you're somebody like me who suffers from colour blindness. So what do we do when we can't see the full picture? We don't understand the full picture Well, welcome to following Jesus. We don't understand and we can't see everything. And that's why the truth is that we need to keep coming back to Scripture. We need to keep coming back to each other. And we need to see the Holy Spirit at work as we read Scripture and as we hear people share their understanding and their picture of God contained therein. That we hold each other accountable so it doesn't go too crazy or loopy. We look at what people have done in the past and how that they've interpreted who God is and what Jesus has done for us. We continue to uncover and reveal that beautiful, vibrant image of God And we do it in a way that doesn't just stay within these walls, that doesn't just stay in the pages of academic books or in the words of Sunday sermons. The truth is that we need to wrestle with these images in community to bring the light and their beauty to life to a world that needs to both hear and to understand and to glimpse 
the beauty and vibrancy of God's love. And we don't do that by our dogmatic views. We do it in the way that Jesus commissioned his followers to go, therefore, out into the world to show them what we see. Even if showing them what we see hasn't got all the answers. And we start to demonstrate the untypical love of God, the untypical grace of God, whenever and wherever we can. Loving God, I thank you that in the parables we, we get to see the depth and the richness of your love in our world. We get to see how radically you've loved and chosen us and we see how radical Jesus is. Help us to continue to reveal and uncover who you are. Help us not to take for granted that we understand it all, but to be able to build a seeking and a longing heart that hungers and thirsts for more of you. And as we do that, help us to be surprised by the way that the people around us are also revealing your love in our lives. People that we might least expect. Ideas and visions of you that we never imagined. Help us this year to see even more of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Elroy is now going to continue that time of prayer.